Amen. Amen. Good evening to you. Welcome. You can be seated. Glad you're here. Glad you're watching online. Hope you'll be blessed that you did. Hey, before we get started, I got a couple things I want to mention, actually uh, more than a couple. But first, Tuesday night, we're going to have a special prayer meeting. Um, I just sensed that I was to share briefly, <laughs> famous last words, uh, that um, at the beginning of the prayer meeting, uh, Lord just kind of put it on my heart to share candidly what He's ministered to me over the years concerning some of the reasons that prayers seemingly and inexplicably go unanswered. So um, I'll have you know I'm working on that and uh, looking forward to that. So we'll start the prayer meeting off that way. Um, I, I have 18 reasons. I'm just wait. I'm narrowing it down to seven. I'm being very merciful because I want God to be merciful to me. So anyway, I've got it down to seven and just going to kind of go through them. And um, then after that, we are, Lord willing, going to take some time and pray specifically for our team that is in Nepal uh, now. In fact, we got the update. You can get the um, ca uh, prayer calendars out front. But uh, for those of you that are signed up for the email updates, uh, we just got one uh, today, and there's a concern about luggage not being confiscated, which I guess is a thing. So uh, we're praying specifically. But on Tuesday, we'll, we're going to have the updated updates, uh, you know, by Tuesday. So they send them out. So we're going to pray specifically for each individual that's on this uh, trip. And then we're also going to pray specifically according to the prayer updates that they send out. And so we're going to spend some time. And then we're just going to, and this will be uh, online as well, by the way. It'll start at 7. Uh, Capono will uh, start a little before with a couple of worship songs. And then I'll come up at 7. We'll have a brief, again, teaching, and then uh, a time of prayer from the pulpit. I might have Pastor Mac come up. Uh, Pastor Leitu, please keep him in prayer. He's still recovering from his knee replacement surgery and uh, hoping he'll be back soon. He is sorely missed, obviously. So um, anyway, we'll pray for him as well and many other needs very specifically. So that's Tuesday. Hope you're able to come. Uh, also, JB is in the house with her team. Why don't you guys stand up? Stand up. That's okay. The reason I was late, by the way, it's, it's, it's so, anyway, the reason I was late is because we were in the back talking. And they show, they, I mean, it, it's crazy. Anyway, I'm, they're going to share Sunday morning before both services, what God is doing. Do you realize, I just learned this. In fact, I'm just horrified by this now. They translate 
every teaching, the update, the Thursday nights, and the Sunday morning sermons into Japanese, and then they put them on YouTube and a Japanese website. And my and JB do voiceovers on the videos. So when I get all, you know, like last Sunday, we were laughing. I, you know, I, I said, how do you translate it when I make noises? Because I make a lot of noises. Like, you know, last Sunday I was talking about, woo! You know, that's all the only thing I can think of. And, and, and JB, bless her heart, she goes, I just go, woo! <laughs> takes them one hour to do five minutes of translation. Yeah. So if you, can I show them real quick? But you're going to, they're going to share on Sunday uh, morning, both services. But so I, I knew, I forgot this though. So my, my, my own app, I don't even go on my own app, the JD Frog app, the Japanese translation, it's all there in Japanese with Japanese subtitles and the voiceover. So my does the uh, Thursday nights, right? And JB does, you do Sunday mornings, and then they all transcribe these. Uh, can you imagine the treasures they have in heaven transcribing and translating into Japanese my teachings? Anyway, I don't even want to, I, I told him, I said, I'm so sorry the prophecy updates have been so long. And you know, and so, so this Sunday's update is only going to be 20 minutes in honor of our Japanese team. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, you guys. Looking forward to you sharing on Sunday. All right. Well, let's get started. Chapter 34 tonight. Uh, interesting chapter. I know I say that about every chapter, but why don't we pray? We'll ask God to bless our time together in His Word, if you would join with me. Thank you, Lord. Would you settle us now, Lord, and just kind of quiet our hearts and minds so that we can give you our undivided attention, especially concerning the chapter that's before us tonight. and what it deals with. It's um, one for which we readily admit we desperately need for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to what you want us to see, and to speak into our lives, in and through this chapter. So Lord, would you do that? Would you speak in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit very clearly, very personally if need be, so that when we leave here tonight after the Bible study, we do so differently than the way we came here tonight to the Bible study. So Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our time together in your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So this chapter, God, through the prophet Ezekiel, is prophesying against the shepherds and leaders of Israel. These are the pastors. And that's actually what pastor 
means, shepherd, under shepherd actually, uh, the leaders, those both in the arena of the secular and in the arena of the sacred. And as we're about to see, God is going to hold them responsible for abdicating their responsibility to care for and shepherd the flock of God. And what's going to leap out from this chapter are several reasons as to why it is that pastors and leaders don't lead and feed God's people. So we're kind of in store for a very interesting study tonight, because as James says, it is a noble thing that you desire to be a teacher, but here's the fine print. You're going to be judged and held to an account on a much stricter level, because as a shepherd I'm holding you accountable for how you treat my people, how you feed my flock. And oh, by the way, it's my flock. And you're going to be the shepherd that cares for my sheep. So this is really bad. And here Ezekiel has been prophesying about the destruction of Judah, the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple, which as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, could have all been avoided had they but repented. But they didn't. And you can lay the blame of Judah's destruction at the feet of the leaders who had become corrupt, and were not caring for God's people. And that's what we're going to see. So you ready? That was my introduction. All right. Verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel, watch this, who feed themselves. Should not shepherds feed the flocks? Well, here's one big reason that leaders don't lead, and pastors don't pastor, and shepherds don't shepherd the flock. They're fleecing the flock. They're not feeding the flock. They're in it for themselves. It's going to get chilling, for lack of a better word, as we get into this. But as we do, I would encourage you to view what we're going to see here momentarily through the lens of the modern day, I'm sorry to say, TV evangelists. They're in it to take from God's people. They're not there to serve and feed God's people. This is going to come up again. But you remember when Jesus restored Peter three times after Peter denied him three times? Very specific, by the way. Um, 
he asked Peter, do you love me? Three times. And of course, you know Peter's response by the third time, I mean, he starts to weep because he realizes what's, what's really happening, what Jesus is doing. But is, isn't it interesting that Jesus said, do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. In other words, the gauge by which your love for me is measured will be how you feed my sheep. They're my sheep, and they're starving to death. Why are they starving? Because you're not feeding them. You're feeding yourselves instead of them. You're in this for yourself, and what you can get for yourself. Again, it gets worse. Verse 3, you eat the fat. Now this carries with it the idea of taking the best for yourself, and clothe yourselves with the wool, so that when they would, you know, shear the sheep, they would take the, the wool, and they would make themselves all of these nice clothes, but not for the people. They would take it all for themselves. You slaughter the fatlings, but here it is again, you do not feed the flock. The weak, verse 4, you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But, listen to this, with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Translated, you don't care about them, you only care about yourself. Yeah, but they're, they're sick and they're weak, I don't care. Yeah, but they, they, they have a broken leg, I don't care. Yeah, but they've been driven away, even led astray. I don't care. Yeah, but you're not seeking the lost sheep who's left the fold, like Jesus would say, you leave the 99 to go find the one. That's what a good shepherd does. But you don't, because you don't care. And not only do you not care, you're actually ruling with the proverbial iron fist. Not only are you not feeding the sheep and caring for the sheep, you're beating the sheep. You're, you're cruel to them. You're lording it over them. Listen, do you remember uh, I always wondered, you know, what the initials P.S. stood for. You'd see somebody's name, and then you would see P.S. You're already laughing because you know, because you're smarter than me. Uh, I'm a little bit slow. It takes me a while, but better late than never. I learned later that P.S. stood for public servant. See, I always wanted initials by my name. I knew it would never be Ph.D. or M.D. or anything like that. So I just decided to go with J.D. 
Jesus' disciple. But they used to have initials PS, public servant. I remember seeing it on a business card. I was like, PS? What, what is that? And then I'm trying to figure it out. Well, you get pretty creative with your imagination, figuring out what PS stands for. And then someone was kind enough to say, it stands for public servant. Think about that. The elected leaders, leaders in the secular arena, in the civic arena, they're supposed to be public servants. Not anymore. No, we serve them. They don't serve. Public servant, elect, our elected leaders. Oh, but we serve you, and you lord over us. You rule over us. What happened to P.S.? I, I better be careful with that one, because it rhymes with something else. I'm not even going to. I better move on now. Verse 5, so they were scattered again, speaking of the sheep, because there was no shepherd. You've heard the expression, smite the shepherd, scatter the sheep. Well, if you have leaders who are not leader leading, and shepherds who are not shepherding the flock, you're going to scatter the sheep, because there's no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. They're open game. They're prey. You've you've basically abandoned them. They're scattered, and now they're food for the beasts of the field, namely wolves, who are just waiting for a sheep. They've been craving lamb chops lately. My sheep, verse 6, wandered through all the mountains and on every hill. Yes, and here it is, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. They don't care. They're they're not looking for that sheep that has gone astray, or been led astray, or has been scattered, or has lost their way. They're not seeking them out to bring them back to the fold and restore them. They're not even looking for them. They're not shepherds. And this is what, keep in mind, led to the downfall. And this is where we're going to connect the dots. This is what led to the downfall of Judah. And so too is this what has, and I speak in almost the past tense, has led to the downfall of this once great nation. They're not leading. They're ruling over. They're not serving of. And they've become so corrupt. And now, look what's happened. They've left us to the wolves. Therefore, verse 7, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, 
Again, he's swearing by himself, because who's he going to swear to? He's the Most High. Surely, because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves, and did not feed my flock. Therefore, verse 9, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is where it's going to get really ugly. Thus says the Lord God, verse 10, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock, my flock, at their hand. Stop right there. Is this a little bit reminiscent of last week, chapter 33? The watchman, their blood's on your hands because you didn't warn them. Fast forward, chapter 34. Shepherds, I'm holding you responsible for my flock. And by the way, parenthetically let me say, this church is not my church. This is God's church. I got to be really careful. This is again one of those chapters, I think I shared this last week, among many in the Word of God that make guys like me very queasy. <laughs> and rightfully so, by the way, because it's a much needed reminder of the standard to which we will be held the responsibility that every pastor should take very seriously. Because God is going to hold us to an account. And notice specifically that we're going to be held to an account for not feeding the sheep. Just like the watchman who didn't warn, the shepherd didn't feed the sheep. My wife and I were talking about this, and um, she made a comment. It's, we, we talk about it often, and I mean, we talk about it in the generic or the broad sense, but we were just talking about how, you know, we've got a lot of new people in the church. Have you noticed that, by the way? And if you're new, by the way, welcome. <laughs> we're so glad you're here. Please make yourself at home. We're going to love on you. And, uh, and but, but you're going to get fed here. You're going to get fed the Word of God. So my wife and I were talking about, you know, how sometimes people will come to this church and, you know, <laughs> I, wanna, I don't want to look at anybody when I say this, right? But they, they are famished. And they're so, you know how when you're so hungry, it doesn't matter what you're eating. It is so delicious, because you're so hungry. By the way, that's why when I teach God's Word and someone's hungry, it's so delicious to them, even though the sermon is horrible. <laughs> I love it when God has you hear a different sermon than the one I preached. And it's just because you're so hungry, and you're famished, and you've not been fed the Word of God. All I have to do, 
and listen, and God knows my heart. This is not hyperbole. This is literally, all I really have to do is stand up here, as is my privilege to, and just read the Word of God, and it will not return void. It will accomplish what it was meant to accomplish, the Lord says. And you'll be fed just by the bread of life, just by the Word of God. Now again, churches today, and I, I, I please hear my heart, I don't want to be so derogatory, but it's heartbreaking to me as a pastor who does teach the whole Bible. <laughs> it's, it's heartbreaking for me, because I know people, and I know I've shared this before, so just indulge me. It's heartbreaking, because I know that people are sitting in churches hearing cotton candy sermons, and they're not getting fed the meat of God's Word, and they're not growing, and they're malnourished, and they're weak, and they're starving. And so when, not if, life hits, and life hits, they are ill-prepared, because they have not been fed the Word of God. They don't even know where to start. The diagnosis comes, the bad news comes, the, the I've been terminated, my position has been terminated comes. I mean, you could fill in the blank. My wife just said, she's done. She's out of here. My husband just, I just found out, and it's over. That's life. That, and life hits. And what are you going to do if you don't have the foundation of God's Word? That's a shield about you, and a lamp under your feet, and a light under your path, to light the way. What, what, what are you going to do? It's too late at that point when life hits. If you're not already ready, and grounded in the Word of God, you don't know where to go. You don't know the wisdom of the Proverbs. You don't know the comfort of the Psalms. You don't know where to go in God's Word. So you're just open game to the enemy, because you, you haven't been fed. And God is going to hold that shepherd to an account for not feeding and strengthening his flock. Think about it, parents, grandparents, with your children. Feed my children, my little flock, my children. Feed them. I'm going to put you in charge. I'm going to hold you responsible. And then you don't, and I give you an allocation. And you take the resources that I provide for you to feed my flock, and you spend it on yourself. <laughs> Here you go, JB, this is for you. Woo! <laughs> I would not want to be you. <laughs> Wait, I, I gave you that to feed my flock, my flock. And you embezzled. 
and now you're feeding yourself and you're fat. By the way, James has some pretty graphic, you've got to love James, right? You're fattening yourself up for the slaughter on the Day of Judgment. You just keep doing that. You keep doing what you're doing. You don't pay your employees a fair wage who bring your harvests in and tend to your fields. And, and you just keep indulging yourself and fattening yourself up for the slaughter, because that <laughs> it's a little bit too much information. But that's what they were doing. They, they're taking what God gave them, put them in charge of, and provided for them to feed His flock, and they took it for themselves. Now you're going to give an account. Here's what's going to happen. I will cause, we're still in verse 10, it's a long verse, <laughs> I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. Party's over. Here you've been feeding yourself, fleecing my flock and feeding yourself, and getting fat and sassy. Guess what? I'm cutting you off. How about that? The shepherds shall feed themselves no more. You want to know why? Because I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. They're taking advantage of them. It's what can I get out of them? Well, that ends right here and right now. No longer will you be allowed to do that. Well, you say, Pastor, there's still these charlatans out there that are doing this, and they, I heard a statistic, it's outdated by now, I'm sure, but uh, I won't, I don't even remember if I know the guy's name, or remember the guy's name. I probably don't want to remember the guy's name. Net worth, a pastor, $750 million. I'm thinking, oh, we could buy Maui for that. That's a lot. Count to 750,000. Just count to it. You'll fall asleep. Before, just to put it into perspective. This is a pastor? I, w I wonder which one of my private jets I'll have uh, chartered today. No, for real. They're driving Bentleys, Rolls Royce, Mercedes, all these expensive imports. Where'd they get the money? From the flock of God. And God accounted for every single penny of it. They, they live in these, have you seen <laughs> I don't recommend it. Um, I remember a number of years ago, I, I saw photos of just one of the mansions that this prosperity preacher that fleeces the flock has, just one of them. I'm looking at this thing going, is that a resort hotel? I mean, there were like two pools. I'm thinking, this has got to be a, a resort. 
No, that's his house. How many bedrooms? Like 538,000 bedrooms and 325,000 bathrooms. And for one guy, how are you going to do that? By the way, you can only be in one place at one time. So, you know, you've got all these mansions, but you're, you can only be in one. But I only need one. And so I, I, my, my house, I, I'm so content. Is that not what Paul said? Godliness with contentment is great gain. And he, could, he, he earned the right to say that. He, he said, I know what it's like to be abased, to have nothing not two pennies to rub together, or shekels if you, if you prefer. <laughs> but I also know what it's like to have plenty. But they, they have all of this wealth that they've amassed on the backs of the flock of God. And you don't think God is going to deal with that? There's coming a day, by the way, soon and very soon, I believe. And they're going to have to give an account for what they did. And by the way, that $750 million on the Day of Judgment, it ain't going to matter. And I, I'm even going to take it a step further and boldly say that we're not going to see these guys in heaven. They're, they're not born-again Christians. They're, they're, they're false. And they're making merchandise of the saints. And that's the only reason they're even, it's an industry for them. There are actually accounts of some of these guys, I, I, I think they're long gone now. <laughs> I shudder to think, but they, they are actually on record as saying, I decided to get into the evangelism business because there's a lot of money in it. You know what? I think this is the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to even take it further. Why not? Let's talk about contemporary Christian music. No, we need to talk about this, because this is, I mean, you know, these, uh, what they call crossover artists, these are not Christians. You've heard me say before, they're not your friends. They're not your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are musicians that can make a lot more money in contemporary Christian music than secular music, because there's not as much competition. So they actually, in fact, I'm, I'm thinking of the, a name of a band. Uh, it's not important. I don't want to ruin your night and your sleep tonight. But they were very big, very popular. I, I actually used to listen to them. Then I found out that they were false by their own admission, that they called themselves Christians, got into the Christian, uh, contemporary Christian music industry, 
and made millions upon millions and millions and millions of dollars that they would not have otherwise made doing secular music. One more. Is that okay? <laughs> Why not? Bono? You too? You know what I'm talking about? Bono. Okay. Um, a lot of Christians were like going, wow, he's a Christian. No, he's not. He has sold his soul to Satan, I promise you. I promise you. Oh, come on. He, he quotes Scripture. Satan quotes Scripture. I, 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 listen, and you know how I came to Christ was, I, I realized that all of the music in these bands that I was into were, were satanic. And I, I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at age 19, when I realized that Satan was real, and it wasn't just a gimmick to sell records by ACDC, Highway to Hell, that they literally had sold their souls for rock and roll, made, made a deal with the devil. Remember Bob Dylan? You got to serve somebody. He's a Christian. He can't. No. He's on record. I think it was 60 Minutes, a number of years ago, admitting. Hey, let me bring you an artist. I'm going to come back to Bono. We're not done with Bono yet. Um, Kate, Katy Perry, or Kate Perry? Is that her name? Yeah. She's on. I have the video of it. Don't take my word for it. Go find these videos. They're out there. Search them. She said, I sold my soul to the devil. They admit it. Okay, let's come back to Bono. There's a video of Bono with an upside down cross. And don't give me that. Well, that's because Peter was crucified upside down. Stop. The upside down cross is satanic. Um, remember, this is going to date me. There was a, a, a group, they're long gone now, thank God, Blue Oyster Cult. The name says it all. The, their album had upside down question mark, a cross with a question mark. A band by the name, I had no intention of doing this. I'll just bear with me. We're almost done, by the way. I did a whole thing on this a number of years ago. And I mean, it's so outdated now. Nine inch nails. Nine inch? How do they, why nine? Oh, because, oh, the, one of their album covers is a monkey crucified on a cross. Blasphemous. Why nine inch nails? Because that was the length of the spikes that the Romans used to crucify our Savior. How did they know that? Satan. You listen to some of the words to those songs? I'm coming back to Bono again. We're not done with Bono. We're almost done with Bono. There's a video of Bono. He does a song you're familiar with it. 
The Rolling Stones did it, Mick Jagger. By the way, at some point, shouldn't those guys like to stay home? No, they go on tour. What are they, like 95 years old? And he's still, I mean, that's, that's, anyway, don't get me started on that. Sympathy for the devil. I don't want to hum it, because it's going to mess you up. I, I have to, I'm hypersensitive to this stuff. I'll be out and about, which isn't very often, thank God. And I'll hear even just instrumental versions of songs that I know that are satanic. And I have to just start praying and start singing worship songs just to kind of offset it and, you know, counteract it. But uh, pleased to meet you. Won't you guess my name? Woo-hoo! <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a different one, JB. Right? Sympathy for the devil. I was there when they crucified. Because he was. This is sympathy for the devil. Bono does that song at a live concert with horns and an upside down cross. And he does and sings that song. I'm, I'm going to just do this and build a bridge and get over it. But Trump had that song played as he came out on the stage, Sympathy for the Devil. You know the song, and then we're done with Bono, we need to put Bono to bed. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know what that song is about? I haven't found Christ. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's blasphemous. It's Antichrist. All of these songs, and I, this is from my day, and those of you that are my age, your day. Do you know what's out there now? Well, we better move on, or we won't finish, nor will we sleep tonight. So, sweet dreams. <laughs> I don't know why I got off on that, but I'll try to bring it back. There, We were in a, in a Bible study here. Did we finish verse 11? Oh, verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. In other words, you're fired. I'll take care of my flock. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And Verse 13, I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. In other words, I'll take care of my flock. You're out of here. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel, 
There they shall lie down in a good fold, and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. Psalm 23, from a shepherd's heart, a man after God's own heart, He maketh me to lie down. The Lord is my shepherd. I want for nothing. He feeds me. He takes care of me. Verse 16, I will seek what was lost. Because you don't care about the lost. You don't want to reach the lost. And bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat, there it is, and the strong, and feed them in judgment. Again, you don't want to be anywhere near any one of these guys when God judges them. And as for you, now this is interesting, verse 17, O my flock, now watch this, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. What? Did we just turn a corner from the shepherds to the sheep? Yeah. We're going to see why here in a moment. Verse 18, is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture, and to have drunk of the clear waters, that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, verse 20, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep. Here's why, verse 21, because you have pushed with side and shoulder butted all the weak ones with your horns, and scattered them abroad. Therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. Get this, not only were the shepherds abusing the flock, but so too were their sheep within the flock that were abusing other sheep in the flock pushing them out of the way, the stronger bullying the weaker, not caring about them eating or drinking, butting them out of the way, pushing them out of the way with side and shoulder. And here's God saying, uh, shepherds, stand by. You're kind of like Bono. We're not through with you yet. I want to talk to the sheep now, because you guys are culpable too how you treat your fellow sheep, how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ in the flock, His flock, His church. It rises to the level we learn in Corinthians when Paul writes to that church, that the way they were discerning the body of Christ, that body of believers, and the way they were mistreating each other, pushing them out of the line, and taking all the food for themselves, 
and getting drunk at the Lord's Supper at the Agape Feast. And God's like, that's not okay. In fact, it's so not okay that I'm going to put you on a bed of suffering and sickness to get your attention. And if that doesn't work, you're going home, because you pose a formidable threat to my body, my flock, my church. And this is Paul writing to them saying, the way you're treating the sheep, sheep to sheep, the stronger sheep, the richer sheep, these other sheep are going home hungry. That was the only meal they got was at these agape feasts, when you guys would break bread as a, as a church. And you had your little cliques, and, and you were like, well, what'd you bring to the public? I didn't bring anything. Well, then get out of the line. And they would eat all the food, keep it for themselves, feed themselves. They would get drunk. Paul's like, go home and get drunk. Go home and eat. So this person goes home hungry, and you go home fat and sassy and drunk too. And that's not okay. In fact, again, if you don't get it when I put you on a bed of sickness, and again, please know this is in no way suggesting that anytime we get sick, that's God's judgment. No, specifically, God would put them on a bed of sickness. And if that didn't get their attention to repent, then He just wouldn't have them come home. And that's why Paul said, that's why some of you are sick, and that's why some of you are even dying. It's sheep treating sheep this way. You're butting them, you're bullying them with your horns, you're scattering them, you're starving them. You're just as bad as the shepherds. You're taking all the food for yourselves, and you're feeding yourselves, and you're getting fat too, by the way. <laughs> You'll forgive my humor, but you know, it's like the Lord saying, you're gaining weight, aren't you? <laughs> you know when somebody comes up to you and says, are you losing weight? You know, your first thought is, wait a minute, are you saying I was fat before? I, I don't think that. But, but hey, you're, you're, uh, it looks like you've been putting on a few pounds. That's what God's saying. Go ahead, just keep, keep fattening yourself up. Keep feeding yourself, taking all the food for yourself, and pushing the other sheep out of the way so they can't. I'm going to judge between sheep and sheep. Now, verse 23, we turn yet another corner. And this is, again, very interesting. And there is some debate about this. Let me explain. Verse 23, I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them. My servant David. This was the shepherd boy. 
the shepherd's heart. He's shepherding the flock when, then not even in the lineup, when Samuel goes to the house of Jesse to anoint the second king of Israel to succeed Saul. He's the last and the least. He's not even in the lineup. And then Samuel's baffled and he says to Jesse, I thought for sure it was Eliab, the firstborn. He was the heir apparent. I mean, that's the custom. And he goes down, he's got seven brothers, David does, all older. He's the runt of the litter. <laughs> and he gets down to the seven, and Samuel's going, I don't understand. Do you have any more sons? I thought I heard the Lord. I was to come here and anoint the next king of Israel. And here's dad going, well, yeah, but it's not. Well, where is he? Oh, he's shepherding the flock. Get him. We affectionately refer to him as Scripture does, as being a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? A shepherd's heart, a pastor's heart. He cared for the sheep. That's why he was the greatest king of Israel that Israel ever had. All of the tribes united under King David, the most land of the promised land that they ever possessed, which they never possessed, all of it, was under the rule of King David. And it would be from David that would come the Savior of the world. But this is who is going to be my king, my shepherd, because he has my heart, a shepherd's heart. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, verse 24, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. I, verse 25, will make a covenant of peace with them, and cause wild beasts to cease from the land, and they will dwell safely in the wilderness, and sleep in the woods. I will make them, verse 26, and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will cause sh showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field, verse 27, shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield or increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them, those leaders, those shepherds. Um, Here's the debate. Is this talking about David literally in the millennial reign? Because he's referred to as a prince, or is this talking about Jesus in the, in the kingdom age and subsequently eternity future? I tend to believe the latter because of what we're going to read now beginning in verse 28. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall beasts of the land devour them. 
but they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles anymore. Thus, verse 30, they shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. You, verse 31, are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. And let's keep it that way. There are two universal truths. There is a God, and you're not God. Let me try that again. <laughs> and that's what God's saying here. You, you would think this would be a firm grasp of the obvious. I love ending the chapter this way, for a change, by the way. Isn't this refreshing? The last few chapters, kind of like, and you're all going to die. Bye. Let's pray. Thanks for coming. Not tonight. No. This is good. You are men, and I am your God. As it should be, and by the way, as you want it to be, because I want you to be my God. I want you to be my shepherd. You're the good shepherd. You will care for me. You are my God. And I am mere man. I think about what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes. I hope I don't butcher it too bad. Uh, we've actually, uh, they've written a, a worship song. Uh, I want to say it's Ecclesiastes 5. Uh, uh, you are God in heaven. Here am I on earth. This is, my wife always quotes this verse to me. Let your words be few. <laughs> That's one of her favorite verses. Let your words be few. She said, don't be a man of many words. I wanted to marry the strong, silent type. I didn't get the silent type. I'm a man, <laughs> I'm a man of many words. And it's a gift. I take many words, as our Japanese sisters will testify. I use many words to say what some people could probably say in a fraction of the words. But it's a gift. But I am your God, and you want me to be your God. And you are men, and you're my flock. You belong to me. So here, here's how I want to close, and we're done. I want, I want you to think this through with me. So you know how we uh, sometimes in a sanctified way boast about who we belong to. Husband, wife relationship, presupposing you have a good marriage. That's, that's my man. I'm his wife. That, that's my husband. That's what God is saying. I'm your God. And, and you can say, that's my God. 
That's my God. That's my wife. <laughs> no, she's mine. <laughs> I'm going to take that too far. Okay, I'm going to share this. Why not? I, I, if you're, if this, uh, again, just build a bridge and get over it. One time I was sharing uh, a picture of my wife and I with somebody. And I said, the caption should read, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> we know who the beauty is and who the beast is. My wife, my wife says, yeah, but you're my beast. <laughs> Was that too much? That's what God's saying. <laughs> and that's what we should be saying. You're my God. But it goes both ways. God says, you're my people. You're my flock. You belong to me. I'm going to take care of you. They didn't take care of you. I'll take care of you. I'm your God, says the Lord God. Isn't that a beautiful way to end the chapter? Do you know how loved we are? You know how much God loves us? We belong to Him. He's not going to care for us. No, He's going to care for us. He's going to feed us and meet our every need and shepherd us as the Good Shepherd and guide us and protect us from the wild beasts and provide safe pasture and make us to lie down in those green pastures. You know the one I love, okay, I said I was done. I'm really done after this, because I just added another hour for our sisters from Japan. But um, uh, he says, you set a table before my enemies. Have you really thought about that in Psalm 23? I mean, we, it, it's become rote, unfortunately, because we recite the psalm. It's just, it's just, you know, kind of, but did you catch that part? I mean, that, that's my God. That's my shepherd. You know what he did? So I've got enemies, like a lot of them. So he set a big, huge table in front of my enemies. He said, that's for my servant. <laughs> that's my God. He set a table before my enemies, as if to say, he's mine. You don't touch him. He, you have no access to Him. You will bring no harm or pose no danger to Him, because I'm His God, and He's my sheep, my flock. Ah! You almost don't want to end, but we, we're going to end now, because I said I was. So Capono, come on up, stand up. We'll close in prayer and song. Thank you, Lord God. Thank You, God, that You are our God, our Good Shepherd, our Protector, a shield about us. Lord, thank You that, like David, 
we can say, even sing, You are my shepherd, and I shall want for nothing because you will give me everything I need and feed me, provide for me safe pastures. If there's anybody here tonight or watching online that has maybe been struggling in this area, just the doubting of your love or your care for them and Maybe you seem distant to them. Would you take this chapter and just bless it to their hearts as a much needed reminder of how you shepherd us as our Good Shepherd. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we're your sheep, not sheeple, we're your sheep, and you're our shepherd. Thank you, in Jesus' name.